We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Where's the thing? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Get the Charge podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven and I'm the host as always. And joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Great, man. We got finals this week. And the good thing about giving finals is you don't have to take them. So I get to just <laughs> hand the finals out, let the kids do their thing. They're doing well so far. And we get it at 1230 and Friday's a holiday. So you know what? Good week. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, so we, uh, as counselors at our school, we were a little bit more hands-on with, uh, college applications and things like that. And every single year I like kind of forget how annoying college applications are. And then I get to helping the students out and I'm just like, I'm so glad I don't have to do this like for myself. Like, so it's, uh, it's nice to help them out. You know, a lot of the parents will come into the meetings and are like, we are so glad that you're doing this because we would have no idea what we're doing. You know, I deal with a lot of first-generation college students, so um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I did college applications all day today with students, so it was fun, but uh, it definitely gets a little uh, little taxing. Yeah, thank you for your service doing that. <laughs> of course, the kids appreciate it. Like when I went in for mine back in the day, you know, I was like, I don't know when I'm supposed to apply or what. You know, yeah. my parents went to college, but like I was the first-born kid, so I'm the first one to get out of high school and go to college of the four of us. So it's like I don't know. What are yeah. my options? Um, I got to figure it out in the end. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thankful sort of the same way, not the application part, but just the, the finals part, the whole cramming before finals. And I'm listening to the kids and their strategies for how they like take, you know, study for this one, but not that one. But then the night it's like, I'm so glad I'm done. Like I paid my dues. You and I definitely paid our dues. Like we're done. Yes. Although I have, this is very off topic, obviously, but I have flirted with the idea of, of getting my doctorate at some point. So mm. we'll see what happens there. I will call you Dr. Hagland every show. <laughs> you doctorate. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get down the line. Uh, Brooke's not listening to this, so she pro- she hates when I mention that. But, you know, oh. it is. <laughs> I've got control. She doesn't of the want edit. me to take out. Let me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know. I control the edit. this out. <laughs> she doesn't want me taking out more loans because you know student loans are a doozy, obviously. But fair enough. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about this right now. If you are listening to this, Brooke, I'm not talking about it right now. But we'll we'll, we'll get to that down the road at some point. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so we got a fun game to preview this week. This is a game that I have been fired up for all season long. Um, this is the game that I have scheduled, and and I will be at this game alongside Tyler. So if you guys are at the game, please come in and say hello. So Chargers and Lions will have our usual full game preview. We've had uh, some different shows the last few weeks because uh, of like mixing things up on the Chargers channel. So this week on this channel, uh, we're doing our full preview. Um, should be a lot of fun. First and foremost, Tyler, uh, let, let's let's kind of look at this game from like a broad perspective. I think what's the biggest storyline that you're watching for this weekend against the Lions? Unfortunately, it's sort of the offensive line and then through all of it, the offense in general. Can yeah. they rebound? I can sort of give them a pass. I'm like, okay, you look in a vacuum at the Chiefs game. Great defense. You look in a vacuum at the Cowboys game. Great defense. What we just saw against the Jets, great defense. But then you put them all together, and that's a string of games where you don't have to play the Bears, where your offense didn't look so great. And if it did, it was a half of offense, and that's it. You know, For the Chargers against the Jets, it was a 50-yard drive, and then a thank you, we'll punch it in from the two, and then a really solid two-minute drive, but that's it. Can you do better against the Lions this week? And I, I think I'm so used to just having grown up not grown up but like really liking the lions when it was stafford and calvin johnson and they'd have to win like 35 to 33 you know there, there wasn't always a lot of defense being played in detroit um it's very different these days i actually believe if i'm not mistaken the defense is currently higher knee paper play than the offense is overall so can the chargers get it going at least against a not suffocating defense but still a very good one and as you talked about, and I feel like we're talking about this every week, it's like, okay, phew, we got over Chris Jones and, and Menahu and all that sort of stuff. Phew, no more Michael Parsons and Lawrence. Aiden Hutchinson this week, guys. Like, it doesn't really get a whole lot easier. Um, yeah. And frankly, it might even get more difficult than last week in terms of a singular pass rush force at edge. So that, that's kind of what I'm looking for. It's not like a specific thing, but how does this offense do anything because at this point now the defense is holding up their end the special teams always holds up its, its end the offense like we are teetering towards if they don't do well this game we're teetering towards calling this a mediocre to below average to bad offense unfortunately yeah i think that's the right place to start um you know like you mentioned you can kind of justify some of these games and in, in the struggles herbert's finger Corey lindsley out mike williams josh palmer out and I think this week in particular, you really felt the lack of receivers because, you know, yes, like the, the Chargers have been pressured and Justin Herbert has been pressured, but he was still getting the ball out. The issue is that Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed and these guys just completely shut out Quentin Johnson and Jalen Guyton. And it was just, it was such a big advantage for the Jets. And like, that's to be understood. Those are two arguably of the best cornerbacks in the league. And I think you could really make a, a legitimate argument that Sauce is the best cornerback in the league. So it just was the combination of the two of them this past week that was just really overwhelming for the Chargers. You look at the Lions' defense, and we'll we'll certainly talk about some of the other specific matchups in this game in a bit here, but you look at the Lions' defense in particular, they're actually eighth in the league in, in EPA per play right now, one spot behind the New York Jets. <laughs> So again, <laughs> it, it does not get any easier. I think the the styles of those two defenses are very different. You know, for me, I think the, the Lions are just so consistent and so solid across the board 
then it's hard to really move the ball on them. Um, but if you're able to kind of weather the storm, you can you can gain these little chunks. The thing with the Jets is that they are so explosive, mm-hmm. and they can just wreck your game plan because of the secondary, because of the pass rush, and they've caused a ton of turnovers. And so the Lions are more just like solid, and you have to grind it out against them, and that's very difficult. Um, but the Jets are just so explosive. The Cowboys are so explosive. The Chiefs are kind of both worlds there. So I am curious to see what really happens in this in this game. How does the offense get back back on track? The offensive line is is frustrating um, to say the least. They are without Corey Lindsley. They are the youngest offensive line in the league. Um, Arjun shared that stat yesterday. Um, you don't really have a true veteran presence at all. Their oldest player is Zach Bailey, who doesn't play. Um, it, it's not like they have a, a veteran guard who can come in and, and show Zion and Jamari what he likes. They don't have a veteran swing tackle, right? Like it's all these younger guys who are trying to figure things out and Rashawn is injured and you have these guys playing new positions and it's it's been frustrating. Everybody knows who listens to this podcast knows how I feel, how I felt and feel about Zion Johnson, but he has not taken the step forward that I and the Chargers were hoping for. I think when I watch his tape, his highs are very, very high. Like there are still those flashes that show me that he can be an elite guard in the league, but the consistency has just not happened yet. Um, there were a couple plays in the Tennessee game, in the Vikings game, in the Chiefs game, where I'm sitting there watching Zion Johnson going, damn, like this guy has such a high ceiling but then there are other plays where i'm watching in in those same games uh this past game against the jets the floor is just not as high as i would have hoped so it's i think it's too early to say you know write him off it's too early to say that he's a bust or anything like that but it's fair to say that he has not developed to the point that i would have hoped and granted i'm i've been higher on him than almost anybody out there um, but I think the same thing goes for Jamari. Jamari hasn't stepped into guard and played the, as high of a level that I would have felt either. Trey Pipkins has kind of taken a step back. So it's just, it's frustrating, man. I, I was so excited to see what this offensive line could be like. We only got the three games out of the starters, but then everything else has just kind of not clicked into place right now. And, um, you know, it's shown up in a big way against these elite pass rushing teams this week. You know, you have Aiden Hutchinson, you have a Liam McNeil who's like good. They don't have a ton of other pieces, but they're this is an aggressive Detroit Lions defense. And the and so the, the Chargers offensive line is probably not going up against a such a talented defense like they were against the Jets, but they're aggressive, they're physical, and this is just gonna be another big test for the offensive line. Yeah, it could even I think it's different because it was a divisional game and who this player is, but Max Crosby is a one man show in the same way that I, I think even less so Hutchinson is. I think Hutchinson has more help. So he's less of a one man show though. He is the standout, like you said, but offensive line didn't do great in that game either. It's frustrating. And, and we're now at a point where I feel the same way about the offensive line that I did about the secondary. And unfortunately I don't have the the words or the knowledge to express or take a guess at what's going on. It felt like with the secondary, it was, okay, it's too complex. Uh, we're moving guys in and out. We're, we're doing things that they're not comfortable doing. And then they felt kind of easy to point out those things in the secondary. But the offensive line, 
I, I'm really just stunned. I'm really, really stunned at, at the lack of progress and the yeah. regression from this entire unit. Rashawn, of course, there's an injury involved there. It seems less public, right? Because we don't think we see it a ton on like the injury report and we don't hear about it a ton, but it's there. I don't think you go from being as great as he was, suddenly there is that injury and maybe it's yeah. off the injury report, but you can clearly tell when Rashawn Slater was no longer like Rashawn Slater anymore. Yes. Um, I'm sure he plays through a ton because this is a guy that was going to play through, you know, barely working back from the bicep, but he was going to go play in the divisional round with like yep. one and a half arms because he's tough and he'll go play. And, you know, I will say that about the offensive line in general, like they are very gritty, very tough and have shown that, but they just aren't very good right now. And, you know, if we could at least lean on a strength, okay, we can run the football. And like you said, it's right. more maybe more of the tight ends there, then fine. Because then it's like, okay, we can run. And listen, I at least thought this offensive line can run the football. Like at least I thought that was the strength. And pass pro would get there because Zion's switching sides, Jamari's switching sides, now new center, you know, sort of new scheme to like, okay, so maybe some things will take some time. But they don't have that. They have no calling card. They are way too talented, way too highly paid. It's it's been just really frustrating, and you're just you're you're killing the offense. And I I put more blame on them, although you can then retroactively blame Kellen more because he is the coordinator. Uh, but I put more blame on them than anything else for the the offense failing right now. I feel like there's things down the field. I feel like Herbert can be better. Um, and this offensive line is getting them killed. It's killing them right now. They can't run. They can't pass protect. Offensive line is way 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 too good. And so as the defense now starts to hold up its end of the bargain, this is the new focus for me. It's like, what the heck is going on? Frankly, I have I have no rational, useful, smart response or answer for that because frankly, I'm I'm baffled. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating unit to watch right now because you mentioned like they're not reaching their potential. And and certainly, you know, Rashawn Slater, like the two things that he does best as a pass protector, like in my opinion, or from like a natural ability standpoint are his explosiveness off the football and his ability to recover. And it's his outside ankle. So it, it's it's really difficult for him to be explosive off of that ankle and anchor down off of that ankle. And so, you know, I, we don't know the extent of it. There was that clip of like the Chargers social media page, you know, passing around things at Halloween or whatever. There was like they were trading stuff and Rashawn Slater handed the social media team a walking boot a used walking boot. Uh, so it's, it, you know, it's, he's never going to talk about it. The team's never going to talk about it, but it definitely has impacted him. I thought against the bears, he looked like his usual self, um, you know, more so than previous weeks, but then you allow eight pressures against Bryce Huff and Bryce Huff is a, he's the most efficient pass rusher in the league right now, mm. but that's a matchup that I traditionally, I would expect Rashawn to dominate because he's a speed rusher. He's not a, He's not somebody who can get into his chest and cause him some problems. He, he's mostly a, a, an outside guy, and and I would expect Rashawn to dominate that game when he's healthy. So it's just been frustrating. You look at the, the numbers for this unit. Trey Pipkin's last season, one of the reasons why we were so excited about him is because he was putting up like really good numbers, uh, you know, above average numbers while playing through a knee sprain. Last season, he allowed 32 total pressures, three sacks, and his pass blocking efficiency rating was 97.1. This season, he's at 25 total pressures allowed already, six sacks allowed, and a 95.2 pass blocking efficiency rating. 
some of that is definitely the stunts and the lack of communication between him and Jamari that just has not kind of come together. But that's a drastic drop off from a number standpoint. And, you know, I, I am hopeful that that can come back to normal for him. But it's, it's just been kind of a struggle. And Zion Johnson, the same kind of thing. Um, you know, he switches from right guard, which was not his natural position. Now he's playing left guard. Um, you know, his numbers are not as drastic. Um, but last season, his pass blocking efficiency rating was 97.1. This year, it's 96.6. Last year, he allowed five sacks. This year, he's already allowed three. So it's just, it's frustrating to see that come together. I don't know what the issues are because you listen to the players who have been on this show and publicly love working with Sean Surratt. They love working with Brendan Nugent and you have a great offensive coordinator. I think you have a great quarterback who can mitigate pressure, but it's just been such a slog for this offensive line. And like, I know people will point to Corey Lindsay. He's super important. He is absolutely but he also was not playing super well before the injury. Like mm-hmm. if we're being honest, Corey mm-hmm. Lindsay was on pace for a career high in pressures allowed. And <laughs> like it's six. just, yeah, for Corey, that's a lot, right? <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's true. Like the offensive yeah. line in general has just has not clicked to place. And it, it's not just as simple to say, well, they're missing Corey Lindsley. There's, there's other stuff going on here. I don't know what that I'm not trying to say that there's drama or anything like that, but there's just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. This group is too talented. We've seen it before. We've seen them all perform very well before, and they're not doing it right now. It's just, it's really frustrating to watch. Like, I wish this week were a bye week and they could just kind of reset as an offensive line. But, you know, it's not. And, and again, they have played some very difficult defensive fronts, but they are not living up to expectations right now. Yeah, to your to your point on Corey Lindsley. So the last four years, which is three thousand or whatever snaps it is, thirty nine pressures in in four seasons allowed, and that's including one with twenty. The last three seasons, just four, then ten, and then only five allowed last year. Though he didn't play the entire season, but most of it, on pace for thirty four pressures allowed this season. If he had played, do I do I expect that to have remained the same for Corey? Probably not. But then, like, I keep waiting for Trey Pipkins to lock back down. I keep waiting for Zion to figure out. I keep waiting for Jamari. So I don't, I don't, I just don't know what happened. It's the same offensive line coaches, the ones that honestly I thought did a heck of a job last year, really yeah. getting guys to, I mean, Jamari coming in and being anything half decent was a miracle. And I guess expectations maybe change when now it's your second year, your interior. Like, but I, I don't know, man. It, it really puzzles me. I, I can't. I can't figure it out. And it's not like this offense is so different. Yeah. That they there's can't. A, there's a lot of a lot of connective tissue between Joe Lamar yeah. and, and Kellen Moore. Like they're mm-hmm. doing more gap and power things against uh from a run standpoint, but that suits them. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's so confusing. I, I I wish I could get into that room, be a fly on the wall and figure it out, but I just I, I don't know. It's it it's it's really concerning right now. Yeah. Is there an aspect where you just think it is coaching because you should not have at least four of the guys all underperforming with this much talent? Like, and I guess Corey to start the season. Yeah, I, I, 
I think there are some aspects of Kellen Moore's game plan that are not offensive line friendly. Uh, Brandon said he talked today. They they run a ton of empty, so they're leaving their offensive linemen on islands quite a bit. Um, so there there is an aspect of that, but it's not like their true pass blocking sets, uh, true pass blocking reps are are that drastically changed from last year. Um, you know, so it, it, like they're asking a little bit more of them, but that's it's not enough for me to look at these numbers and see the the underperformance from all of these guys. Basically, you know, Rashawn, you can understand a little bit because of the injury, but you know, for Trey to be this much underperforming this much and for Zion and Jamari to be underperforming this much most consistent guy they have right now is Will Clapp like it's that's just not that's just not how it should be man it, it's really frustrating I I, I don't know they got they got to figure it out and Rashawn getting healthy will definitely help yeah but that's not enough that's not going to change the rest of the players and the rest of the schemes and things like that so I don't know and but you got to get it figured out yeah, last thing for me on this, we're 20 minutes in. I did not expect us to start with this, but it is the most important thing, I think, at this point, like the most critical thing that's yeah. killing this team. Yeah. Um, I, I believe against the Saints in the joint practices, didn't Daniel Popper report that the offensive line was pretty freaking good and that just that Herbert was not connecting? And then, you know, you and I watched the scrimmage and things were rough at first, but they had like Foster Serrell out there and Pipkins was barely playing. And so sure oh, dude, they had to... at the scrimmage they had they didn't have like any of their offensive tackles. It was right Foster Sorrell and uh what was the guy's name with the long hair? Austin Cousins uh, were their mm-hmm. offensive tackles against Thule, yeah. Khalil, and Joey Bosa. Right. But we at least like at the sort of the end of the scrimmage when the starters were still there, we still saw the interior of the offensive line run the yeah. fo- like push and they ran the football really well. And yeah. now with, with hindsight, we've seen how good the Chargers defensive line is against the run. So like I get, I don't know what happened, man. And we like, we saw week one a completely yeah. different offensive line. So I, I don't know, yeah. man. I'm puzzled. I, I'm just as puzzled as anyone. And uh, I, I think the run game is kind of the key thing here to maybe get them back into a rhythm a bit of it a little bit more. I think obviously getting Joshua Kelly the football more helps too. But yeah, I just I, I think they got to make some changes from a schematic standpoint and uh, be a little bit more offensive line friendly until they can figure it out. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, Dudley was not expecting 21 minutes of <laughs> offensive line play to to start. Um, obviously, I'm not going to complain because I love talking about offensive line stuff, but uh, it is what it is. All right, Tyler, uh, before we get to our uh, slideshow here for a bit, we have some ads that we got to do. So why don't you tell our folks about prize picks? All righty. Prize picks is a skill-based real money daily fantasy sports game. You pick two to six players. And if they will go more or less than their price picks projection, watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. Price picks offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers like Taco Tuesday. Uh, you could also just ask my mom what to do, and apparently that'll win you nine out of 10 of your selections. How's that possible? No idea. Go ask her. Don't ask me. But I've loved using PrizePix so far, even though I do not win as much as my mom. Um, to make your selections, go to prizepix.com slash guilty and use the code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash guilty and use the code guilty. Yeah, there we go. We also encourage our listeners to make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers, a part of your game day experience. 
pizza and football just tend to really go well together. It's just like Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen on game day. Make sure and order online during our pizza pizza pregame one hour before NFL games and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. Speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So go grab some friends, grab some pizza, and enjoy Chargers football on Sunday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Tyler, uh, let's get to this uh, slideshow here. Uh, as we always do, uh, we're getting back to previewing uh, the <laughs> the Detroit Lions. If you're watching this, you see the slideshow. Uh, if you're listening to this, we'll uh, do our best to explain it. But uh, Tyler has a nifty uh, graphic here of some leaves and a, and, a, and a lion. So we'll get into some of this here. Woohoo. All right, uh, a lot of uh, cohesion on the Detroit Lions coaching staff. Obviously, Dan Campbell is the head coach. Ben Johnson, who's going to get several head coaching interviews in the offseason, is the offensive coordinator. Aaron Glenn finally has the defense living right. Uh, you probably recognize his name from his playing days as, and also uh, his days as the Saints rising defensive coach. And then Dave Phipp is their special teams coordinator. So, um, Tyler, let's uh, let's start with Ben Johnson here because I think this is a potential, like, you know, heading into the season, I feel like the two hot names from a future head coaching standpoint and specifically on the offensive side of things were Kellen Moore and Ben Johnson. Uh, ben Johnson and the Lions leading a borderline top 10 offense. I think some people maybe expected a little bit more here. But what do you make of of his offense as a whole and, and what he's been able to accomplish in Detroit this year? It's impressive. What they've been able to accomplish is impressive. And I think the the biggest difference, we literally just talked about this, so here we go again, is that the Lions offensive line just hums. And they can do it even with guys injured. And, of course, those guys are returning. But their offensive line, the way that they block, the way they can work at the run game, that to me is such a huge difference. Um, the way they use Amon Ross St. Brown is, is fantastic. As we talked about before the show, they've been changing up his role just a bit in terms of working outside versus um, less in the slot, kind of like I would have expected. Gun to my head, I would have gotten that wrong. Um, but overall, just pretty solid. seems like he gets several different players involved. The run game, the offensive line blocking, I think, being the biggest here. And frankly, just the way that Ben Johnson has everything set up, maybe it's a Dan Campbell thing, but they have 
obviously Ben Johnson for for Jared Goff, but they also have Brunel as the quarterbacks coach, and then they have JT Barrett as assistant quarterbacks coach. It just really feels like a nice like from OC to QB coach to assistant QB coach, a great streamlined plan for Jared Goff where they're doing their gosh darnness to maximize him. And frankly, if there are days where he looks really, really good, like, of course, he's not an elite quarterback, but he works really well in the system. So right now they're just humming. They have a really good system right now. Yeah, you mentioned the offensive line injuries. It's honestly pretty similar to what the Jets have experienced. They, Panay Sewell, who has allowed five total pressures this season, he's <laughs> truly ascended this year. Um, he's been their only offensive lineman to play every single game so far this year. Um, he's obviously a right tackle by trade. He's played 136 snaps at left tackle, though. Um, you know, when Taylor Decker got injured, they moved him over there. Uh, and then Matt Nelson, a guy who I've literally never heard of until today, played right tackle for a couple of games. Then he got injured. And then a guy named Colby Sorsdahl came in and played for right tackle. Um, they've had Dan Skipper playing a bunch of different places. They've had Graham Glasgow plays a bunch of different places. They've had four different guys log snaps at left guard, three different at, at right guard. Um, it, Frank Ragnow has missed a couple of games at center. And honestly, you wouldn't be able to tell. The offense just continues to, to perform at really a high level. So I think this is kind of that cohesion point for me. You know, you have the same coaching staff. You know, you have the, a mm -hmm. lot of the same offensive line pieces in the same positions. Maybe that's kind of a, a difference here. But um, you look at what Ben Johnson does. It's, it's just a lot of really high-quality stuff. He's super creative. There was that one play where they were in a short-yarded situation and they passed the or they snapped the ball through Jared Goff's hands straight to a running back. You know, obviously had the Panay Sewell reception a couple uh, last year. So Ben Johnson is just really sound and that he's really creative. And uh, the Lions are maybe slightly underperforming. I think a lot of people had them pegged as like a top five offense. But I mean, you look on the screen here, they're 11th in EPA per play overall, 11th in the pass and ninth in the rush. Like it's just such a sound well-coached unit on offense and then from time to time they can get creative and then get explosive so it's it's a fun unit to watch uh brooke is is a little torn she loves watching the lions because of dan campbell um <laughs> so they're a really popular team they're kind of uh, america's sweetheart right now from a football perspective yeah they're the team that i'd i mean you know eagles fan too because of family but if i'm just picking another team i love rooting for the lions man they're a ton of yeah. fun to root for you know hard knocks definitely help with that uh, Campbell's obviously helped with that. Some great players over there. Pene Sewell, just, uh, it's just a treat to watch anytime. So, yeah, uh, it's difficult to root against them. I'll have to do it for one week, but after that, still a fan. Um, I didn't realize Ben Johnson was with the Lions for so long in different capacities and just worked his way from like quality control to tight ends to passing yeah. game, then offensive coordinator. Um, so, it's, it's no wonder they hit the ground running basically in his first year as a coordinator last year, but fourth or fifth with the team, whatever it was. Okay, I don't know when I wanted to talk about this or ask this, so I don't know if this is a good spot when we're talking about coaches. I'm going to throw this out there because okay. I, I didn't realize this is their wins versus the losses. Are the Lions potentially overrated? Um, and I'm just only asking this. I sound like a jerk, stupid media member asking this, <laughs> trying to do some dumb hot take thing. But legitimately, okay, they beat the Chiefs. Granted, I don't think they win that game if Chris Jones is there. Their other wins are against the Panthers, the Raiders, the Falcons, the Packers, and the Buccaneers, and their losses are against the Ravens and the Seahawks. 
are, are we like potentially looking at a team that might not be as good as we think it is given those or am i just i guess stupid media person making a dumb claim <laughs> i don't think you're i don't think that's stupid by any means i i think it's fair to be a little skeptical of their success right now um i think if you're evaluating them as like a how much are they a legitimate super bowl contender i think that's a fair conversation to have i think it's very similar to how people view the the miami dolphins who have yet to beat a a good team either so mm. I, I think there's some of that that is fair but they're also i forget the exact record but they're like 14 and three in their last 17 games like they're mm. they're beating teams that they should by a good amount and so it's how much of a contender are they i think really depends how you feel about jared goff winning like key moments we haven't really seen that come to fruition yet although he's playing really really well um but I, like i have a ton of respect for this lions team because i think that they are a team that can beat anybody on any given day and a team that can truly if things go well, maybe make it to an NFC championship game. Mm -hmm. But I don't view them in the same range as like the Cowboys and the 49ers. I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. Okay. They're definitely a team that is like a momentum sort of team. When they get rolling, this offense is you're just done. And with Gibbs yeah. playing the way he is right now, like you're 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 done if you can't stop them. Same kind of thing with the defense. Yeah, it's still a very young team trying to figure mm -hmm. it out. Also, they've got a ton of young guys playing for them. Uh, not a ton of free agents that are really making a huge impact. Chauncey Garner-Johnson is injured. Cam mm -hmm. Sutton's playing well. Manny Mosley, Teddy Bridgewater is their backup quarterback. So outside of David Montgomery, it's not like this is a team that went out and spent huge in the offseason and had a ton of veterans. It's, it's honestly just a lot of draft and develop. And Dan Campbell has talked about this, I, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, that you know, he's never been a guy to like go out and get the big shiny toy because he wants to be with his guys and let his mm -hmm. guys like develop and get the best out of them. And I think we've seen that with the way that they have kind of approached free agency as is on the screen right now. Yeah, I, I don't know why I thought they were more active in my brain. Maybe it was because I'm just remembering yeah. the draft classes additions. But yeah, it's it's mostly is in terms of you know, money wise, more losses than additions. But they I think they knew with the four picks in the top like 80 or whatever it was. I think they knew that they had opportunities to add. Although we'll talk about the, those additions and why we took a linebacker that early, but <laughs> yeah, some notable losses here. Um, the running back situation completely changed. Obviously Jamal Williams and Deandre Swift are out. Um, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs are in, you know, the cornerback situation definitely changed. Mike Hughes, Jeff Okuda, are replaced by Cam Sutton, Garner Johnson, and Emmanuel Mosley, as well as uh, Brian Branch. So they they were very intentional about replacing like some key units that they wanted to revamp, and some of that came through free agency, some of that came through the draft. But like you mentioned, it, it, you have in your head like when a team improves this much, oh, like they spent a lot of money, they were aggressive in free agency or trades or whatever. That's how the Chargers have improved in certain areas. That's how like the Dolphins have improved in certain areas. But the Lions really haven't done that. Like, none of these veterans were, like, super expensive. Like, from a, a long-term deal, like, uh, David Montgomery was their only long-term deal here on this list. So, it's not like they went out and spent big in free agency. Like, it, it really is is not that. Uh, they're very much a draft and develop team right now. Mm -hmm. You want to get into the draft? Oh, there it is. So, uh, 
Yeah, uh, Lions made a ton of noise in the draft, uh, obviously taking Jameer Gibbs and saying that they would have taken him over to B. John Robinson and, and would have taken him in the top 10 with that pick that they had from the Rams. You have Jack Campbell in the first round, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, uh, four guys who do not play premium positions. That's that's not a way to win win draft grades, but it certainly has panned out okay so far for at least three of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of those four, you have Hendon Hooker, who's kind of on a redshirt season, Broderick Martin, who's doesn't play a whole lot, and then Colby Sorzal, who I just mentioned. I did not realize he was a draft pick, honestly, when I said his name <laughs> earlier. Um, and then Antoine Green. So, uh, Tyler, what do you make of this draft class and how it's uh, panned out so far for the Lions? Dude, I, I made this slide. I wrote Colby Sorzal, and I still didn't know that he was a draft pick. <laughs> like, so, I apologize to Colby. Please don't kill the Chargers on Sunday with like a touchdown jumbo package reception or something oh my gosh um but yeah i remember we had uh, was it is it russell we had on for the yeah yeah Yeah, so we had him on during the the live part of the draft i believe it was the campbell pick i could be wrong where he was about uh, with us before that pick but i just remember him going like what the heck is happening and his reactions (laughs) to some of these selections like there are so many different ways they could have gone and (laughs) like gibbs where they took him was a surprise like gibbs was someone they talked about as like you know maybe slides into to the second round but really maybe like end of first round and taking that early was a surprise and then of course you know and they were like you saw the video of the lions the whole draft room like they were like oh my gosh we just won the whole draft with the gibbs pick um and he is at least starting to justify the last game um jack campbell that was a surprise i I definitely did not consider him a top 20 player in this draft Sorry, Respect. real quick. Jack yeah. Campbell's like the only linebacker from the class who's actually like playing, by the way. Like there's no other linebacker <laughs> who's a rookie that's like no surprise. playing a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does not shock either of us. And it does not no. shock me that Jack Campbell is the one who's playing, although getting yeah. selected in the first round helps. Um, and even then, Jack Campbell is third on his team in linebacker snaps. Yeah. Um, is not like technically the starter. Um, only six run stops on the year. I think he's like third or fourth worst in run stop rate right now which is you know it's fine you'll get things figured out hopefully but yeah where the where the lions really crushed it unfortunately was with a beautiful combination of sam laporta and brian branch in the second round um brian branch is someone i thought should have gone in the first round i still have no idea why he didn't i get that maybe there's like one sort of concern in terms of like athletic ability but otherwise this dude never missed tackles he played all over um great against the run really good against the pass so yeah no surprise that he started the season as a you know defensive rookie of the year candidate it was kind of like him Tuli, jalen carter christian gonzalez at the time then he got hurt so it's unfortunate that that momentum didn't get to continue but i'm sure he'll do something really fun uh, against the chargers and make me like go yay and then all at the same time uh <laughs> laporta though is is i think the the crown jewel so far for them um, it was obviously a deep tight end class. And if, if you want to go pure, you know, route runner, passing game kind of guy, if you didn't get Kincaid, the next guy you go get is Laporta. And Laporta, man, like take every Iowa tight end, I guess. Um, that, that, <laughs> that was already a thing, but this just adds another one to that. I mean, he's, he's already sixth in the NFL in receiving yards in, among all tight ends. He, uh, I think he has four touchdowns as well. I think the rest of the the rookies have like one or two each. Um, yeah. he, he's just in a different plane right now. And I don't remember how things started for him, 
but it feels like the last three or four weeks he's just been cranking it up. So the the, the Lions were able to pivot from Hawkinson, go find Laporta, and it's like no problem. I, I feel like I don't know I don't know what Hawkinson stats were in Detroit, but I feel like if Laporta starts like this next season, he'll surpass him no problem. Yeah, uh, how it started was five catches on five targets for 39 yards. So it wasn't a huge mm, game, but okay. um, he's just been a, a really consistent presence for them. You know, just really is kind of cranking out like 40 to 50 yard games like left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he obviously had a, a game where he went for two touchdowns, but he only had three catches in that game. So he's just been like a consistent presence for them. Like you look at that stat sheet and it's not like, amazing but it's like what hunter henry gave the chargers in 2020 and just like consistently yep. like four five six catches 40 to 60 yards occasionally you can get more than that so i think he's just been a really consistent presence for him whereas obviously i'm very much in tune with dalton kincaid and his usage <laughs> um you know he he was like a couple targets here and there the first game the first few games and then really it wasn't until dawson knox got injured and then the last two games, he has like 23 targets. Like, it's just been like, okay, like, <laughs> I don't know why it's a good Dawson Knox injury for <laughs> Dalton Kincaid to get involved. But Sam Laporta has just been like constantly there, um, you know, getting a lot of usage and, and he's been hitting. But Brian Branch, like, we, he was one of my favorite players to watch in the class. And like, for him to, I think he leads all corners and run stops right now, which is like, duh, like that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> he's only missed two, by the way, missed tackles. Yeah. So it's just, you know, the, the Lions definitely have a type of player. And I think you see that in, in this draft class with all of these guys. And uh, also, apparently, Iowa has another tight end coming out <laughs> next year. So uh, I guess if you're a tight end fan, make sure to check out Iowa. Hopefully he falls to 32. Yes, hopefully. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to look at, like, draft classes as a whole because I can't imagine there's a more impactful – you know, no trio way. of rookies than Gibbs, Laporta, and Branch right now in the league. No, no way. I, I can't imagine that there is. I mean, those, you know, as long as Branch, you know, is still healthy, like that's one of the best tight ends in the league already. Yeah. Uh, one of the best slot guys potentially in terms of what he does. And then in Gibbs just had 189 yards or whatever it was against the Raiders. So it's just... Uh, they they for as much as we kind of laughed at them for not picking premium positions what they did do and we could all agree on was take good prospects like there was no oh my gosh who that why would you take that <laughs> terrible prospect they were all really yeah. good prospects um, but day two again i think it's just that's a nasty one too the porta branch in the second round is is just nasty that's that's great yeah so uh, you know, this is kind of feels like the Chiefs draft class from last year, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at their their draft classes previously too. I mean, they got Panay, obviously, but then Ali McNeil, Unwuzurike, and then Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, they're just lucking out, man, or doing really well. Again, Aiden Hutchinson last year, but then you get like Kirby Joseph, Josh Pascal, Malcolm Rodriguez, James Houston. Uh, it's just like they're drafting well, man. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. All right, Tyler, uh, let's get to some different conversations here about this specific game. Um, Let's start with key matchups. And I think for me, uh, I'll start us off here. This is definitely a Chargers run defense versus Lions rushing attack. Um, We just talked about Jameer Gibbs. Sounds like David Montgomery is going to play this week as well. We're recording this on Wednesday night. 
Um, I think he was the Lions didn't practice today coming off of a bye week and an estimated practice today. He was estimated as a full participant, um, but sounds like he's going to play. Um, Jameer Gibbs, who we just talked about, has uh, 399 yards on the season. David Montgomery has 384. Um, Gibbs is averaging 5.3 yards per carry. David Montgomery is at 4.1. Um, they're both really good in the missed tackles force category. Um, they're both really good in the yards after contact category. Explosive runs are good. Um, Jameer Gibbs, to his credit, uh, I asked Arjun for this stat because I was interested in pushing some Joshua Kelly agenda. Um, but Jameer Gibbs is third in the league right now among running backs with at least 60 carries and explosive run rate, trailing only Raheem Mostert and James Conner. Um, so this is the Lions want to run the football like they want to get after you in the run game and then play action shots, play action with with Amaron St. Brown and Sam Laporta. They love leak. They love slide routes like this is very much a. We're going to run the football and then play action you to death off of that. So you have to be ready for this run, this rushing attack on offense. And the Chargers, to their credit, have been very good on the ground uh, from a defensive perspective. They We just talked about how good they were against the Jets. They were great against the Bears. Um, you know, those are teams that um, want to run the football traditionally, but the Chargers also got out to an early lead. So what this is, to me, the biggest test of the run defense if you will um again objectively speaking they have been very good this year against the run um derrick henry was not a super huge factor against them like we've seen them play well against good rushing attacks we've seen them play well against good running backs this is kind of a different beast you have two very good running backs you have a great scheme you have an offensive line that is fully healthy so how do the chargers fair against this rushing attack because to me this is the best overall attack i think that you'll see from a rushing standpoint i think lamar jackson presents a very different challenge in a few weeks but if you're talking about offensive line running backs combination with the offensive coordinator and the scheme this is as good as it gets in the league right now um you shared earlier their ninth in rushing epa per play they are fourth in total yards in terms of rushing per game um, they have a lot of good players that like to block them for the run and run the football. So this is the biggest test for the Chargers so far this season. I have loved watching them on tape. It's such a refresher. Like comparing it mm -hmm. is like mm -hmm. watching the 2020 Chargers offensive line <laughs> to watching Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsley in 2021. It was just like amazing. It was a breath of fresh air. And that's how I feel from watching last year's run defense to this year's run defense. They're getting great contributions from Nick Williams, Kenneth Murray, Eric Hendricks. And then these edge rushers are just like crushing it against the run. But this is a different beast. If the Chargers do this well this week, then we know like 100% run defense is the strength of this defense. And this is going to carry that carry throughout the rest of the season. If it's kind of middle of the pack results, I think the Chargers can still live with that. Mm -hmm. But what you can't allow in this game is for this rushing attack to just get rolling five yards of carry, six yards of carry, and suddenly you're just, you can't get off the field. So you have to create some negative plays. You can't get beat, you know, over the top, obviously, from a rushing standpoint. I am so excited for this. I think the Chargers are up <laughs> for the task. Yeah. Because I think they are generally a good run defense. But man, this Lions rushing attack is a unit. And uh, I'm I'm genuinely excited to see how the Chargers fare for this because I think it's, it's, it's kind of like that, 
dinosaur meme where they're they're button heads like i think this is gonna be a great matchup to watch <laughs> yeah i mean just looking at the rest of their schedule baltimore is clearly the next best rushing attack and you could argue more so just because of the quarterback situation but if you're just talking about line and running backs that's as tough as it's going to get all respect yeah. to green bay new england denver vegas buffalo and kansas city yeah this is the one i'd be most concerned with i am curious how they decide to approach this too because I felt like, you know, they started very much strongly with Montgomery. Then obviously out of necessity, they very much lean into Gibbs with two guys coming back. Now, do you just kind of like split everybody's carries in half and just have one or like a little bit more than usual? Or do you just lean into the run game all the way? Yeah, because it's really, really strong for them. And like you said, it's unfortunate that it'll happen this week. But man, I love watching Panesua block and what they do with him, the way he can move. Uh, I was watching, obviously, like watch most of the Raiders game was with my dad and the way Sewell could just get to the next level. He he moved. He looks like he's 80 pounds lighter when he moves. Yeah. And he gets the second level faster than anybody else I can think of. He moves like a linebacker or a receiver out there. I mean, he's just he's incredible. It's unfortunate that we're going to watch it this week. Um, and then just sort of by extension of just the offensive line versus defensive line, too. This is, if you want to prove that you are also back, Joey Bosa, this is kind of one of those games you want to at least win a little bit. Uh, yeah. Max Crosby, I thought, honestly, watching them, you know, Panay and Crosby go at it, I thought Crosby won more than the two pressures that they credited against Sewell. I even thought Sewell had a penalty, but I guess I remembered wrong. But maybe it was a run game thing. Anyway, Joey Bosa, if you want to prove that you're back, or any of these Ed rushers, if you want to prove that you guys are legit, this is a good one to show up for. I think from a pass rush perspective, I like Khalil's matchup this week. I think Taylor Dicker is like a, a fine player, but um, I going back and looking at some of Khalil's numbers against Taylor Dicker previously, I think you feel pretty good about his chances. Mm. Um, you know, Joey kind of moves around a little bit. Yeah. Tuli moves around a little bit. This is definitely a game where I think you want to isolate against some of these guards too. Um, I, I frankly am kind of just not testing Panay. I'm testing everybody <laughs> else over Panay because <laughs> yeah. five pressures – He's a, he's a full eight percentage points ahead of second place in terms of pass block efficiency rating, which is Tristan Wirfs. Um, so he's at a exponential rate right now, 99.2 as an offensive tackle, which is crazy high. Yeah. Uh, Tristan Wirfs is at 98.4, so hmm. which is also very, very high. But Panay Sewell is just playing at an insanely high level right now from a pass protection standpoint. And like you mentioned, as a run blocker as well. And he's like Thule's age. I guess the goal for like <laughs> finding really successful players is just take a really like find the youngest Pac-12 player and just take them. This seems to work. And apparently Polynesian as well. Yeah, see, there you go. Just get those three things and you're good. <laughs> All right, Tyler. Uh, is your key matchup with the game the same kind of thing for you? Yeah, basically. I was gonna think like offensive line versus defensive line. We've already talked about like the Chargers offensive line. Uh, of course, Aiden Hutchinson. Even just like the interior guys got to hold up against Aline McNeil and I lost it. John Kaminsky between mm -hmm. them. They have 41 pressures. Are they a great duo? Not necessarily. Are they the, the best defensive tackles they're going to face all year? No, but they're solid. They're good. Yeah. And Aline McNeil is definitely the, the better of the two. It seems when I watch them hold up at least this week, I don't need you guys to dominate. I don't need Jamari, Will Clapp and Zion Johnson to dominate, but hold up. Hold your own. Do what you got to do. Allow the Chargers to breathe. And and we'll see if they ever use Joshua Kelly these days. But if it's Austin Eckler for 15 carries, let him be better. Let him be great up the middle or whatever it is. 
you know, show some positive signs heading into Green Bay. Um, really got to get yourself established. Like, I think you have, I think you can kind of not be so great in this game and, of course, the next game, but like, you have to figure it out the next two games before you go to Baltimore. Um, if you win this game, great. You're feeling better about that matchup. But Baltimore's a game like you got to go in and show that you're going to be anything in the postseason because all these AFC teams aren't going anywhere. If the Browns make it, you got to face them. If the Ravens, they're going to make it, you got to face them. Chiefs, you got to face them. Um, Jaguars are going to make the playoffs. You got to face that. Like, it just doesn't get easy. The AFC is, is, is stacked and these defensive lines are getting better and defensive tackles are getting better. So I'm just trying to watch these guys this game and just hope that there is any sign of life from these guys and that they can at least be solid against good interiors uh, and not collapse. Yeah. For what it's worth, Rashawn not does not have a super difficult matchup this week. So maybe this is kind of a get right game for him individually. Mm -hmm. Um, But you mentioned Ali McNeil. Um, He's definitely not like, an elite pass rusher, you know, in terms of like the, you know, Dexter Lawrence and Aaron Donald and Jalen Carter, Chris Jones type, Quinnen Williams. Um, but he's, his win rate right now is 12.3%. So he's, he's getting after it at a, at a decently high level, you know, Morgan Fox, who is obviously the Chargers best interior pass rusher is at 14%. Um, very different kind of player stylistically. Ali McNeil is kind of more of a one technique three technique whereas morgan fox is more of a three tech five tech kind of kind of player mm-hmm. um but he he's making an impact right now and you know it, he's obviously a really good run defender as well so th- it definitely is a tough matchup i think obviously it's it's aiden hutchinson is kind of the key thing like yeah this is definitely a game where i think you can really rely on like some chip help and things like that because against the jets against the cowboys <laughs> like there's not really like a guy that you chip because everybody is good <laughs> you know obviously you want to be worried about micah parsons but he was doing more like linebacker stuff against the chargers mm-hmm. if you chip bryce huff the jets have four other guys who can get <laughs> after the quarterback at an insanely yeah. high rate so mm-hmm. the lions for me like if you can chip and double team aiden hutchinson uh, i think that goes a long way and and hopefully can get this offensive line back on track yeah, I'm curious because I'm not going to watch it, dude, but I know you will because you're sicko. I'm curious <laughs> what you think of Nick Vennett's playing time and how he looked against the the Jets. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think he made a couple key blocks. I we'll, we'll see what the film says, though. Cool. Um, all right, Tyler, who's your biggest X factor for the Chargers this week? Can I say Joshua Kelly and it's right? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping at some point it is. So it's I get an explosive run rate, man. If, it's and it's funny because everyone I bring that up and then I get the well it's all based off one run right but like no it's it's no. a rate yeah you know a lot of these stats we're talking about are an overall attempts sure that will help with like you know some numbers of course but like avoiding negative runs explosive run rate that sort of stuff that that one run isn't going to do it for him and Austin Eckler had a big one in week one too so that it's kind of a wash to me guys we got a I mean, you were talking about what was it, Joshua Kella? Kella, Kella what am I saying? Kella. Joshua, <laughs> never mind. Um, I just need to see them pretend like they understand that Joshua Kelly is their most efficient runner right now. Uh, I, I and I don't think they'll get into a lead, a big lead. You know, there's no 21 point lead in this game. If there is, no. somebody died. Um, but still, like, find a way to lean into to Joshua Kelly because you got to find some things that work. And I think that. I think there's a world where the run game and the running the football will help this offensive line. And I think there's just something a bit more positive about Joshua Kelly 
getting the I mean, last game six yards of carry. Um, I think it was like four, eleven, and like three or whatever it was in the in those uh, three carries. Lean into that. Feel good. Like feel good that you're kind of doing this together, fighting together. Um, Joshua Kelly's the X factor. One because I think he is good enough to be the X factor, and two, I literally have no idea how many snaps he's going to get. Yeah, the Joshua Kelly getting nine touches the last two games makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, Kellen Moore has has always had a two back system. He's talked about this with the Chargers. Uh, I mean, they only kept the two on the active roster this week. They didn't even bother keeping a third. Um, Brandon Sadie said today that uh, it's going to be status quo for the running back rotation standpoint. I I I, I love Austin Eckler. This is not an anti Austin Eckler thing. He also has talked about the need for like having another guy to take pressure off of him and keep him fresh. So it just, it makes no sense to me. If there were a game for you to try and get this thing going, like if the chargers could just get a good running game this week, next week you have some great potential against the Packers to have an elite rushing attack because the Packers are atrocious against the run, like 2022 chargers bad. And it's just you got to get it going this week. I think it helps so many different layers where Joshua Kelly can impact the game. Not to the same extent, but Brandon State was talking about Alohi Gilman today. How when Alohi Gilman is out there, he's such a great communicator. Mm-hmm. He is able to take pressure off of everybody, including Derwin James, because he does all these things. He sees the field so well. He can just take pressure off of everybody, make things easier. Getting Joshua Kelly thing going does the same thing to a, a smaller level obviously because although he's a starter like he plays every snap mm-hmm. but it makes things easier for justin herbert it makes things easier for the offensive line it makes things easier for austin eckler and it's it's just it makes too much sense to me i guess that you give joshua kelly i'm not asking for 15 carries from joshua kelly i'm just asking for like eight consistently 10 maybe would be great Sticks yeah <laughs> or <laughs> yeah i don't know man it's just it, I, I don't understand it um I, obviously i i'm behind austin eckler getting his touches but joshua kelly like you you got to get him going because i think the team really needs it yeah been a surprise but yeah it's bummer here status quo because even zeke wasn't super efficient in his final year with them but they still got him the football like they still made it a pretty even split yeah so Hmm. Status quo is not a good thing to hear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my X factor of the week is going to be Jasir Taylor. Um, this is a game where I think he's going to be isolated quite a bit um, because the two main receiving options for the Detroit Lions do most of their damage from the slot. That's where they're most productive, that being Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta. Um, I don't know how much you're going to use Jasir Taylor against tight ends. It's been obviously Derwin's thing. You've obviously had linebackers against tight ends, but the, the lions do a good amount of 12 personnel sets and the chargers do like to play a lot in the nickel package and get those, get those five defensive backs out there. Um, I thought Jasir Taylor watching the film against the jets was really solid. Uh, I thought he made some good plays on the football. I thought he made some good tackles in space. I thought he'd really just kind of, settled into his role uh, this past week against the Jets. And I think the Chargers did a great job kind of scheming up opportunities for him to just like feel confident in his role. He was talking a lot of shit on, on Monday Night Football. The second day was as a whole. They were really fired up against the Jets. Um, so if Jasir Taylor can 
take that positive performance against the Jets, play well against Amon Ross St. Brown when he's given the chance. Amon Ross St. Brown does play a, a decent amount of snaps on the outside as well. It's not, you know, full Keenan Allen kind of split. It's more mm-hmm. close to 50-50. But he's going to get his chances against Amon Ross St. Brown because, you know, he's their go-to receiver. And how Jasir Taylor handles that, I think, is going to be a key inflection point for this defense uh, alongside the run defense, obviously. Yeah, this is definitely not the New York Jets. One, because <laughs> of the quarterback and the offensive line and everything else. But two, the receivers that actually play in this slot aren't, you know, 39-year-old Randall Cobb with 30 yards. Respect Randall Cobb. Won me a fantasy season one year. Um, but that was when I first started in, like, 2000. <laughs> Like eight or something like it feels so long ago you know? he's not that old <laughs> he's yeah isn't he kind of um anyway anyway sorry Randall Cobb please don't go off against the Chargers in the postseason one day uh but yeah no the, I think Alan Lazard was wide receiver two for the the Jets with 250 yeah. yards or whatever Josh Reynolds 400 yards obviously Jameson Williams uh hasn't played a ton but he'll work from the slot St. Brown from the slot um so we'll see how they mix and match it really is a mix and match for them. Like you said, 50-50 for St. Brown. So if it's not him, then it's Reynolds, then it's Raymond, then it's Williams. So then it's Laporta. So they can show a lot of different looks. And then just extending from there, we talked about the run game and Jameer Gibbs and Penny Sewell. Like, Josh Taylor is also out there and even considered remotely at all for this slot because of his quote-unquote ability to play the run. And so that's going to be a key factor there too. So that's, yeah, it's a big X factor for sure. Yeah. I'm excited to see how this defense plays, man, uh, which is... Kind of crazy. Like again, I know that the, the Bears and Jets are not great offenses, but it's been a treat to see this defense kind of come back to life. Um, the secondary just looks more settled, more confident. Um, you know, I think the celebration committee really is for them. Like the sec- like the corners and safeties love to celebrate. And I think like when I first heard about this, I was like, I don't know, man, that's kind of corny, but it plays <laughs> into the secondary playing well, and I think they're feeding off of it. The pass rush has obviously come alive. I talked about how I think, like, legitimately, the, the charge have been good against the run from start to finish so far. So this is a this is a great test for this defense, and I think it's one that if they play well, I think people will really start to buy into the Chargers defense more often, more frequently. Um, if they get gashed and give up forty, that's obviously going to be a different conversation. I don't think that's going to be the case, um, but it should be fun, man. I'm excited to see how this defense responds to this challenge. Yeah, I definitely think it'll be somewhere in the middle. I don't think that'll be as great as they have been. I don't expect 40 pressures and eight sacks this game, <laughs> but I also don't expect like the 31 points and the 4 billion yards to Travis Kelsey like they did against the Chiefs. So I think somewhere in the middle, like this is a good offense. Ben Johnson's a good coordinator. They have a good line, good system. So the defense will give up theirs. But um, yeah, I definitely hope they play well. Yeah, for sure. All right, Tyler. Uh, I think I've just said all right, Tyler, for like the 17th time today. Uh, but any uh, final thoughts before we head out? You know, I, kids raise their hand and go, Mr. Shoon, about 4,000 times during a day. <laughs> so honestly, hearing my name one more time isn't big of a difference. Um, final thoughts? No. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> you, Steven, do you have final thoughts? Uh, I just want to see clean football on offense this week. Uh, you know, I, I think this Detroit Lions defense is is really good, really sound. Um, but I just want to see this offense get into a little bit more of a rhythm. Um, you know, I completely understand not being great against the Jets. I completely understand not being great against the Cowboys and the Chiefs. Um, but I think this offense needs to start living up to expectations and start carrying their weight a little bit more. And uh, if this team is going to make the playoffs, 
as good as the defense defensive story has been, as good as the special teams have been, the offense is the reason why this team is going to not make the playoffs or not, or not make the playoffs or do, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the offense needs to start carrying their weight. Got to get into the rhythm, run the football, get Quentin Johnson the ball. It can't just be Herbert and Keenan making plays for every single game. Like you got to get these other guys involved, I think. Yeah, they'll, they'll try their darndest to get the Herbert Keenan thing going. Like you said, it goes <laughs> just like pizza and football, right? It goes well together, but you, you got to find some other uh, side dishes and options from Little Caesars as well. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if you've looked at this, but Daniel Popper wrote about Keenan Allen today in his article. He did like predictions for uh, the rest of the season. Did you read that one? Nope. So Keenan has uh, 62 catches so far this season in eight games that's a 7.75 average if you times that by 17 he's on pace for 130 receptions this year uh which would beat his previous career high by 30 uh <laughs> so yeah wow. uh keenan's getting the ball a ton right now which has been fun to watch obviously i love keenan mm-hmm. but uh i don't know how sustainable that is to overall efficient offense yeah, he he might get over that, man. Like, I think he might over, like, because you're kind of past Dallas, Kansas City, New York, and granted, we just talked about Detroit's you know defense is no joke, but like, okay, Baltimore, but Green Bay, no idea what's happening with J.C. Jackson, New England, Denver. We'll see. There, I don't know what to make of them at this point. Then Vegas, Buffalo hasn't been great, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he might go over. Catch Antonio Gates this year, buddy. <laughs> what does he need to catch him from a reception standpoint? Like a, oh, reception standpoint, it's I think a little bit closer. I think he'll catch him in receptions before yards, but I could be wrong. Chargers, you, all time. Yeah, okay, I was gonna look too, but you, so much for no final thoughts. I'm history <laughs> receiving yards. All right, time to break out my calculator. Here we go. I'm too glad you stayed in an hour for me to just do calculator on my phone. Here we go. <laughs> All right, so we have 11841 minus 10,007. So Keenan needs about 1,800 yards. So yards you know? is not happening, but receptions, what's that? Oh, I'm supposed to do receptions. I'm an idiot. All right, here we go again. Uh, he needs 97 more well so just play minnesota a few more times and listen dude like we're on our way <laughs> yeah man that, that that might happen this year because <laughs> he's at 62 right now i don't know hey man uh, last time he played green bay i, I oh no no that was the last last time he played green bay he had that many receptions and the half or whatever yeah um yeah let it happen you know what you got jc jackson in week 13 go say hello yeah go say hello apparently jc jackson uh not traveling with the team this week to germany so that's that's good for the patriots i guess he wouldn't untie his shoes for tsa so he, uh... <laughs> nice nicely done all right uh that's a great spot to end that so i uh, appreciate you guys for sticking around obviously uh like the show comment subscribe all that good stuff really does help continue to grow the show we appreciate you guys and your support so much um we'll be live on saturday for our usual saturday show uh if you missed alex insdorf's show uh go check that one out alex katzen and his 
Katzen's Corner Scouting Roundup is published by the time you'll be listening to this. I'm publishing this right, right after. So go check that out. Um, and we'll see you guys on Saturday. All right. That's it. Bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.